0: Welcome to the Matterhorn Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kathleen Waller. Here we have conversations about cultural studies, the arts, and writing. If you want to sign up to my Substack newsletter for free, just click on the link in this homepage. Today I'm speaking with Kate Jones on the topic of mother writers. Kate holds an MA in 20th century women's war narratives and writes an online publication called A Narrative of Their Own, which you can find on Substack or at the link in this episode information. Kate is also a mother of two and writes specifically about the narratives of 20th century women writers and the ways these intersect with current culture. She is particularly interested in the ways in which women's narratives continue to inform conversations around gender, parenting, and feminism welcome thanks so much for coming on the show well, thanks for having me so let's just start by talking a little bit about your work as a writer um what inspired you to start your current writing project well as you mentioned
1: about my ma um that was really the spark that gave me the idea for the substack uh, newsletter although I have written before for other um, publications about 20th century women writers on various topics, but they've always, as you say, centred around kind of ideas of gender, feminism, mothering, um, and all those kind of um, things that interest me. When I did the Masters, it was really to sort of further my um, research skills and my writing skills in that sort of arena. And I was looking for something for when I'd submitted my dissertation to get my teeth into. And I knew it needed to be around 20th century women writers. And At at first, I did think about writing specifically about what I'd done the dissertation on, which was women's war narratives and nursing memoirs. But I thought that might be a little bit too narrow, although that does still interest me. Um, So I'm also interested, I love reading personal essays and that kind of essay as well. So I wanted to try and blend somehow the way that 20th century women thought about things and wrote about things and explored women's experiences of life with more contemporary ideas. Um, And so far, that's what I've managed to do. I've blended a lot of things that I read about in the news or just articles and essays I come across that I find interesting. And I'm always sort of thinking... How does this tie back? Is there something that I've read from, you know, the 1960s that touched on this and that we're still struggling with now? Or, you know, like I've written about the beauty myth or something like that. And I, I've read an article and that's just sparked an idea. Sometimes I do just do straight kind of biographies or a discussion of a novel. And. Um, of a, a sort of a 20th century woman writer but I do really like having that kind of freedom to roam a little bit and as soon as I started it you know the ideas just kept coming and I, I just really really enjoy doing it and I had some really good feedback so it's it's really been worthwhile
0: to continue my my studies really. That's great and I mean I love the 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 Substack interface because there it really is a lot of freedom. Like you said, I mean, this is, it's your newsletter. You can take it where you want to go, but you, you also get feedback as you said, which is really nice. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, I've, I've just loved seeing the way your work has evolved um, over the last, I mean, it's coming up to a year soon, which yes. is exciting. Yeah. yeah and, and it, it is really, it is really great the way that you connect what's going on now to um literature of the 20th century. And I think it just shows, you know, the relevancy of that literature, the, the continued relevancy, which is fantastic. I and so, yeah. I mean, just for the the listeners who maybe haven't read your your work, there's been something recent, um, recent in your publication about the Virago feminist press, the collective fear of the <laughs> pandemic in relation to literary responses to World War II and low wages that a writer earns, um, yes. we both experienced. <laughs> um, but the, I mean, these are just really fascinating. So, um, yeah. what, what do you see, where do you see this going next? Do you feel like you'll continue in this direction or is there a new direction you've got?
1: I mean, I've got lots more ideas, um, ideas maybe for series of, you know, different elements uh, that go together because they're too long just for one piece. Um, but yeah, for the, for now, I definitely see this continuing as it is. Um, I launched a paid option, which I, I do bi-weekly, which is just an extra sort of biography or in-depth look at a text. Um, and I've also started, which I just find really fun and has actually gone down really well. An end of month sort of review of reading, watching, listening type things um, connected to the issues that I talk about. I've done that for the last two months and I really enjoy doing that because it kind of gets me to reflect on what I've been looking at. And I've had a lot of good feedback. So for now, that's I'm really trying to build the substack, and I really enjoy it. Um obviously longer term i mean i have had stuff published in other journals which i'd like to do a little bit more of that i've not had a lot of time to do that as well and eventually long long term um i would really like to put together maybe a collection but there's so many ideas that interest me.
0: It's quite difficult to bring them down. Yeah, you don't um, want to stick with the one, right? You want to yeah, keep
1: going and yeah, so, yeah. yeah, some of the things we're discussing today really interest me from the point of view of a collection. They have for a while. I've got sort of a folder on my um, laptop mm. all about that. And then the war narratives I keep coming back to because there's so much on there, sort of things about um, uh, sort of femininity and masculinity breaking down the borders and um mm-hmm. post traumatic stress on the sort oh, of wow. more on women and men and all those subjects i mean even my dissertation tutor did say um, i think you've got a book here rather than dissertations i had to break it down quite a lot for you know 12000 words or whatever but um, so yeah there's so many different ideas but yes that would be a lovely longer-term aim and I feel like Substack is really giving me that sort of experience and feedback which is really valuable as a writer I think Mm. to sort of see what people like and and what gets people talking and and what interests people it's been it's been really good for that
0: that's great yeah I mean I guess you can kind of see what happens and what really speaks to people or where where you get energized from writing about a topic which is you've got to really
1: I've always thought you've got to really Mm. sort of write about what lights you up otherwise Mm -hmm. you know if you write about something that you know is popular or that sells or that gets published in journals but you're not really that interested in it i just i'm really bad you know i'm quite a big procrastinator as it is so (laughs) (laughs) i have to be really interested in what i'm researching and writing about um and i think you can really tell that on substack i was talking to someone online yesterday about it because It feels like a really good place where you get some real niche topics, and Mm. then there's all these other people that come out that love that niche topic. That you think Mm -hmm. when you're writing, well, I'm not sure anybody else is that interested in this, yeah. And they are, and it's. I just find that really fascinating. You can really tell the passion I think from people's newsletters, like yours, and you've been recently doing a poll. Oh, yeah. You can really sort of tell that that's something that you're really interested and passionate about. And Mm. I think that really comes across on Substack. You don't tend to, I've not seen anywhere I've thought, oh, they're not really that interested in that. They're just writing about it. To have a publication is, I think it's a really good breeding ground for finding
0: writers on there as well so yeah that's great yeah i mean finding writers and then also finding new discoveries like you said whether it's a book to read or a film or something in the news to look at um because i guess we're the thing is we're subscribing to a person's writing not necessarily the the topic you know maybe they have a niche but i love the way you're just um kind of bombarded by something new you know when i get your newsletter. I don't know who you're going to be writing about. It's different if yeah. I read like um, a newspaper online and then I kind of click on the the title that I want to read. Instead, it's yeah. just whatever you've decided, it comes through to me. And yeah. I think you're right that that passion really comes through. And that's that's the writing um, on this, not only on this network, but elsewhere as well that, you know, I really enjoy the most because you can just, it, it becomes a bit quirky in a really great way, like the yes, connections definitely. that people make. Yes, that's it cool. really does. The personality comes through, I think, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, well, I mean, today we're talking about mother writers. And um, I guess, you know, you you kind of implicitly at least write about that topic a lot on your newsletter, um, just by yeah. nature of, you know, the topic that you're writing about. Um, yeah. but you had one particular article um, called Wife, Mother, Other that I just want to yeah. pick up on for a bit here yeah. today. Um yeah. Because we're also talking about mothering on the Matterhorn in a in a different way, um, yeah. so if we can jump into that article for a bit, um, we yeah. can talk about your experiences as well as a wife, mother, other. Uh, writer, yeah. Sorry, not other. <laughs> <And Yeah. laughs> that's, I feel like that's from something. Wife, mother, other.
1: So it is know.
0: yes, and I forget now,
1: but it I, it definitely is from something else. That's where. Oh, I think it was. Um, there's partly the burnt. Bernardino Evaristo book? is it Oh, there? yeah, Not-
0: that was a great book. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. I think yeah. there was that sort of on my mind and I'd read a couple of different things that I thought and I always find it difficult to think of titles. I'll leave it right while the end before I'm posted. And, yeah. and I thought, yeah, I think that really goes with it. But yeah,
0: it goes. It gets you thinking about it, too. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I, I guess, first of all, what gave you the idea to, to write this article? Was there anything in particular that sparked it?
1: Yeah, well... I have written about, like you say, I've written about these topics before and I had had um, a couple of essays published a few years ago now in a really good magazine, actually a journal that doesn't exist anymore unfortunately um, and I published something similar to this with these ideas but then there was the um, the New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern, mm-hmm. uh, there was a big story that broke about the BBC making a comment about can women really have it all and that was the sort of thing that week that sort of sparked me, back to these ideas. Um, but, I mean, the ideas have been there ever since I became a mother myself, I suppose, and even reflecting back to my own mother's life as well, sort of in the kind of 60s, she would have been sort of a young woman. Um and I, I think it, it was all those ideas were there, but I went back to the 20th century writers as well to sort of look at their different ideas, because there's quite a vast array of women who had children but left them. Then there's ones that um, had children and worried they would affect their creativity. And I thought it's, a, it's just something that's endlessly fascinating to me, this sort of discussion about... Can you do this if you do that? Which is a bit of a nonsense, really. But mm. I find it I find it endlessly fascinating. Yeah, how different women have different perceptions and how it does affect their art and their writing.
0: Mm-hmm. But that yeah. was where
1: it originally came from. That no, that's
0: tried. great. And I find there's a really there's a this kind of messy discourse around it. And I like the way you kind yes. of try to take that and streamline it in a, in a relatively short article try yes. to bring all of that together. So, I mean, maybe we can come back to art in, in a little bit and see what yeah. you think about that. Um, but we'll look just yeah. at the beginning of your article. Um, yeah. You start by saying, um, talking about the concept of having young children at home and its impact on art. Um, and there's this quote from from your post, English literary critic, Cyril Connolly once wrote, there is no more somber enemy of good art than the pram in the hall giving credence to the theory that having young children negatively affects an artist's ability to create good art. So was that the case for you?
1: Well, it's interesting, really,
0: because although this argument
1: persists, and obviously we'll talk about other more recent uh, pieces around that, but I've actually always had mixed feelings about that concept, because I can see the argument that, from obviously a time suck point of view, I mean, just having the energy to get yourself and a baby dressed and out of the house on Sundays, definitely. Enough. Oh yeah. The thought of sitting down and do my two hours writing today or whatever is, I can see the point that he was making there. Um, but for myself, I would say that it's actually had more of a positive effect than negative. If mm, I'm honest. Interesting. Um. I did, I was looking at the other day, I have got um, an old journal, which I started when I was pregnant with my first daughter, she's 23 now, so it's a long time ago, Um, and I kept it religiously throughout pregnancy, and then for a year after birth, Um, and obviously there's big periods when I didn't write in it, but there's lots of lovely little things on some days, other times it's just so tired, you know, not had any sleep, exhausted with everything, oh yeah. Um, But I really sort of, that was, although I'd always written and always wanted to write, I'd never had anything published and I'd never kind of committed to a practice before that. And I'd always worked full time in various jobs as well. So I'd never kind of stopped. Mm -hmm. Whereas I took time out when I had my first daughter. I didn't work for the first, I think, first couple of years. Mm -hmm. Um, So I started with that and then... I did little bits and I never sent anything anywhere. And then when I had my second child, they were seven years apart, which um, I found really good because I know a lot of people who have them really close together and that just sort of blew my mind how tiring that was.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can really yeah.
1: And at that point, me and my husband opened a business. So it was a very stressful time. We moved house, mm-hmm. we opened a business together and we'd got two children. But it also meant that childcare was a bit more flexible because between us, we sort of balanced the children and the business.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, And for me, when I'm busiest, it seems to be the time when I've always got more inspiration. If I've got loads and loads of time, I tend to just drift a little bit and not commit to anything. Mm -hmm. So I carried on with this kind of, I suppose, part journal, part notebook. I used to have this little notebook and I just used to like scribbling things down. And, you know, any time I'd got, which would be, after I used to go grocery shopping, I often used to go for like a coffee afterwards and have a bit of peace. Um, And I would write, it might have been about a conversation I heard, or it might have just been thoughts or about a book I was reading, like a review kind of thing, and no intention of doing anything with it. And this went on, I got several of these little notebooks going on for sort of maybe a year or so. And I heard a couple of podcast i think and i read some things online about this thing called flash fiction and micro essays and flash Mm -hmm. essays Mm -hmm. um and i'd not really come across that before i knew short stories and i knew all that but i started looking more into it and realized when i look back over these notebooks they were kind of the things that i'd been doing in my own way, I'd been writing about thoughts that I'd had about things a bit like I'd expand on now in the essays on Substack, but in a really tiny way. But I, I thought, well, they don't connect anywhere. They're not doing anything. And right. when I looked, at them, I actually did end up getting quite a substantial amount of things out of these notebooks when I put them all together, published because... I realized I'd written fiction, I'd written non-fiction, I'd I'd thought about essays, I started doing some book reviewing, and it all really came from all these like half an hour where I'd had a time to just scribble down some thoughts that I thought I'd never do anything with. Oh wow! And actually I do feel as though a lot of the ideas I was having in those books were related to kind of where I was at that point with Mm -hmm. having children, working, just all my sort of people that I knew, you know, the other mums and stuff like that. Um, and I did, I found a writer called Grace Paley, which is, she's a well-known writer, but I don't know a lot of people that read her. And she mm-hmm. only wrote short stories. Um, and I got a collection of her short stories from a secondhand shop, a charity shop. And they were, some of them were a page or two pages long. So I started digging. I ended up publishing an essay about her on a on a website. And, um, because she said she didn't have time to write a novel. She was too busy. And she had, I think it was something like 15 years between her first collection and her second. And she said, oh, wow. when she was interviewed, why? She said, I was doing the important things like raising children. <laughs> and she thought, I would just really love that. And she wrote about the other mothers and her own predicament and just real life. And I thought, I realised that like the stuff that I thought wasn't that important or interesting actually other people found it interesting so that's a really Mm. long way around to sort of saying for me I'd say that it inspired me to do it more but I know people have mixed feelings I can see the time element Mm. I think a lot of it depends on your support doesn't Mm -hmm. it if you're a single parent raising several children then you know you might have to work as well and it's very difficult so I think support is the most important thing to help mm. you with that. But, um, yeah, I'm not saying that I wouldn't have ever have published anything if I hadn't have had children. But mm-hmm. I definitely think partly having that sort of bit of a break from things and reconsidering and realising it was important to kind of carve out your, your own little bit of time that's not just being a mum, then I think I think that definitely helped me.
0: No, that's, I mean, that's really fascinating for so many reasons. You know, I think um, first of all, just sometimes the, I find the transitions in my life are, are when I write more um, and not only when I became a mother, but at other times as well. And I mean, like you, I also um, took quite a bit of time off at the start and then I, I made a career change. So I've had more flexible time, but what was interesting is that I think before I had my child, I I really thought I'm going to take off a little bit. Of, I'm excited to be a mom, but I'm going to take off just a little bit of time and go back to work. I love being a teacher. Let's go. But I was living in Austria and I wasn't allowed to. I had to be off work two months before the due date. I had to be wow. off for a year after that. And wow. before he came, I was kind of like dreading it, yeah. <laughs> like full confession. Um, and yeah. then. And then I, the time before he was born, I ended up doing a lot of writing because I was like, well, yeah. what else am I going to do? I can't yeah, like, yeah. move around that well anyway. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, of course it, it was very hard, like the first couple of months and exhausting, yeah. right? So I wasn't doing much then, oh, yeah. but I found as soon as I started to get a bit more comfortable, I would even just strap him to my chest, go to the cafe, um, do a bit, even on the computer, do a bit of writing with him there on my chest. Yeah. Um, And I remember once this this woman came over to me, she was an older Austrian woman, and I thought, oh my God, she's (laughs) going to tell me off for having the screen in front of my baby. This is (laughs) like, this kind of thing has happened here before, what am I going to do? And she just said, this is so wonderful. My child has become a famous journalist because I was always writing when she was a baby and oh, wow. this is the best. I was like, so touch it. It's amazing. Oh. <laughs>
1: yeah. You and just the wrong idea. Yeah. 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 And in fact, yeah, both of, I have to say both of my kids, the one's 23 and one's 16 and they are both better writers than me already. <laughs> they are both really talented. Um,
0: That's and I don't amazing. know whether
1: that has just come from observing or just in the genes. I don't know, but um, yeah but yeah they are so yeah i think it is really important actually for your children to see what is your passion mm. or you know what interests you and to see you taking time to do things for you as well i think absolutely often you you kind of think you need to put them first all the time and you do but mm-hmm. you they do need to see that you also have interests and i think that's really yeah. good for them as they get older
0: that makes sense yeah and it, it validates both the writing on the one hand that that's something purposeful or or art in general. Right. And then it also validates, like you say, that time for yourself and being independent. And yeah, yeah, I mean, that's, there's time, my son's only four and a half. And sometimes I often like to write early in the morning and he likes to get up early. he interrupts me, he knows we'll have a bit of a cuddle and chat, but I'm going to keep writing. So he'll, he'll practice his letters next to me. And it's, you know it's kind really of I, I would hope that like you're saying that he grows up to enjoy writing you know even if it's just for yeah. himself so yeah,
1: exactly
0: yeah and I guess everyone's experience is different I mean it's maybe yeah. I'll um I'll just we'll come back to your article in a moment but um there was this very uh, I guess kind of a article that went viral a couple of years ago by Lauren Sandler called the yeah. secret to being both a successful writer and a mother is to have just one kid. Um, and she writes, how do we negotiate the balance between selfhood and motherhood? Is stopping at one child the answer, or at least the beginning of one? And there was the now famous reply from Zadie Smith, uh, just in the comments of that article actually, discussing the way having children and the absurdity of it, um, the sorry, the absurdity that it could have a negative impact on creativity. Um, also mentioning, for example, that Charles Dickens had 10 children. So why are people even bothering to express this example? Obviously there's sexism involved, but she also cites problems with affordable childcare. Now Zadie Smith, of course, can afford childcare and her husband is a writer, I believe as well. Um, so, you know, fine, they can have children in childcare, but she understands that, like you said, single parent, but also two parents maybe who can't afford that, um, you know, it makes it much more difficult. And it it brings me back to, you know, all that, you know, you talk about Wolf in this article, and you bring her up yes. a lot. Um, yeah. And this idea that you need um, money and a room of your own, and it all kind yes. of seems to come back to that, doesn't it? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I
1: think affordable childcare is a huge issue. Um, and I think that support I mean I think I read the article and I think Zadie Smith's points were were spot on really it's about the support it's whether you've got family partner uh, affordable childcare around you need really one of those elements to to help you to sort of it's going to be very difficult otherwise um but yeah I think saying that it's how many children you have I think is a little bit kind of limiting and almost insulting really it's, yeah um it, it's just a bit it always makes me a bit uncomfortable when people state what you should do to make this successful is you know and and they try to tell people how many children they should have or they shouldn't have any or they should have them um I read um a really interesting piece a little while ago by Rebecca Solnit um she'd given a talk about Virginia Woolf she'd written something about her and she'd given a talk about her and the audience she'd written this essay about how the audience continually just wanted to come back to the fact that virginia woolf didn't have any children oh, wow. why didn't she have any did she mm. write a lot just because she didn't have any children um mm. and then moved on to why didn't you haven't you got any children you know you're going to regret it at some point to oh, that's question awful. her yeah and she was sort of um yeah she was just very perplexed in this essay mm. about why they found that the main thread of interest in the talk she was giving about wolf and then why -hmm. they needed to put that onto her and why they were questioning it and like i say i just find this subject endlessly fascinating even from the point of view of you know the conversation around women who are deciding not to have children you know and there are more Mm. deciding not to and that question I, i work with a lot of women and sort of people saying well you've been married now two years are mm-hmm. you not going to have children before it's too late? Or, mm. And I just think it's not something that men probably get asked. I can't imagine a man in a workplace being asked why they're not having children or they said we're not having children being questioned about it. So, right. it, you know, the opposite side of motherhood, the, you know, is just the choice really. And that sort mm-hmm. of kind of essay like Sandler wrote about you need to just have one and, and then you'll be fine. <laughs> it just seems a little bit of a strange concept right and,
0: and the fact that it's not always a choice obviously as no, well exactly. I mean for so many different reasons right not even not only fertility but it can be so many reasons yeah. um you know and even in Virginia Wolf's case um the New York Times talks about a review of this biography by Julia Briggs and and yeah. says that the the couple um never had children because Leonard believed Virginia did not possess mental or physical strength so i wonder if you have have you come across other research about that that maybe she just maybe she felt that she wasn't really able to mentally
1: yeah i mean i haven't done a lot of research on that which would be Mm -hmm. interesting to look at another idea really um but i know in the solnit one um she did mention that the wolves had wanted children early on in the Mm -hmm. marriage and she kind of mentioned that because of her mental instability, um, it was felt unwise. Um, she didn't specifically mention that Leonard had said it. She kind of made it sound as though wolf had come to that realisation herself mm-hmm. and that she had wanted children because of the joy they brought her sister. Um, but also she did mention the fact that their marriage was pretty celibate for most of mm-hmm. it um, okay. after initial. Um, I mean, but I know she had sort of bisexual tendencies. I think a lot of this sort of, blues yeah. didn't they? Um, yeah. So, you know, whether that was also the companionship. But she did also point out that she was dedicated to her writing. And for a lot of women, maybe they see that as their baby, their, mm-hmm. their everything, and that that's perfectly acceptable or should be and shouldn't be questioned. So, um. yeah, I've not done a lot of research into that, but that would be another mm-hmm. interesting Plus, I mean, it's also
0: a long time ago. So you know, for her to, for her to have had the career and the child or the children would be a very different yes. um, situation than nowadays in England, at least where where she was. Exactly. It's it's really tricky to know um, what the situation obviously would have been like for Virginia Woolf if she had children, and maybe you know we'll we'll never probably really know if it was her choice or her husband's choice or just Mm -hmm. a feat of nature that it happened but you know in any case I don't think it can be used as an example or a reason um a reason not to have children if you're a writer and at the same time like you say um it also can't be you know we can't uh question women who don't have children and suggest that they would be better, more well-rounded people of society if they had children. I mean, it's just... Exactly. Yes, yeah. there's
1: so many different examples. And I think Zadie Smith did talk about that in her response about examples of women who are prolific writers, such as Toni Morrison, who had uh, children, and she mentions Vandela Vida. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Who <laughs> wrote a great book, um, which actually does touch on... Uh, mother-daughter relationships it's called Mm. let the northern lights erase your name which is I just thought I picked it up because the title was just (laughs) brilliant I'll have to check it out Um, yeah yeah and that's very much about where you come from and sort of a mother who left and the girl loses her father at the beginning and finds out he wasn't her real father, and she's actually descended from the Sami up in the Arctic Circle. Oh wow! And she lives in like New York or somewhere. She lives in America, um, and she goes off in this kind of journey to find out who her father was and what happened to her mother and why she left. And it's all this kind of coming to terms oh, with who her her identity is and um, the idea that a mother could choose to leave and
0: yeah it's really
1: really good not a very thick book but it covers a lot of ground yeah it's
0: really good sounds incredible yeah I mean and you even you even talk about this a bit in the article because you say women still often carry the residue of questioning themselves over their individual choices in a way that men often don't and um you know maybe that's because of society and not the the individuals themselves. I don't know. But then you talk about um, Margaret Atwood's reflection that women are not trained to be selfish. Um, They're not trained to take that kind of time that you were talking about. And that I also had um, on maternity leave, for example, um, to do things for yourself. So, but I think it's a really tricky thing to navigate. I mean, this, this mom guilt thing is real. I don't know if it's It's biological or what, but yeah
1: again another fascinating subject that I'd probably need to go into psychology about wouldn't it really but it's definitely real and um yeah I've definitely been suffering with it for 23 years and (laughs) I've never got over it so if anybody's got any ideas (laughs) please suggest it and I do Mm -hmm. think I mean it is sort of stereotyping but I do think that men don't worry about the same things I don't think they have the same girl I don't know whether there's just this innate feeling I think when you become a mother that everything you do you're going to completely like ruin these children if you don't get everything right Mm -hmm. Um, and whenever you make a decision you're questioning yourself whether that was the right or wrong decision and from what I've witnessed I don't think that men do struggle with that as much Mm -hmm. Um, and I do work with a lot of women and you can really see that kind of difference i think i don't mm-hmm. know what it is i don't know it's genetic or like you say whether it's just a society has fed us all this and they're constantly backing right. it by asking us about our parenting and we feel judged i don't know this yeah. kind of idea we need to be perfect or we need to be better and i know from my own upbringing when i was saying about taking time for yourself my own mother was a great mother but she was very much a caregiver to everybody mm-hmm. and she very rarely did anything that was for herself and I think it's had the opposite effect for me of growing up and sort of thinking it's really important to take Mm -hmm. that time because I used to wish that she would do that Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah I think as well that generation probably did do that more I mean um, yeah I think it's very much kind of you looked after the family and stayed at home and so I think that was Partly the society that put that on, but I think we're still struggling with it now. Oh, yeah. You know, even though we have very different lives, don't we? And right. you know, much more dependent lives, but can, it can still fall into that trap, I think.
0: It's really difficult to navigate. And I find, um I mean, maybe even more so because I work for myself now. So I can, and I know a lot of your work is also writing. So you're setting. Yeah your own hours and so it's not in some ways it's easier if it's like well I have to be at work at this time and then I'll take care of my children or call my child wherever you know wherever your children live now Um, but you know when you can make that choice it feels like oh I'm choosing this over over my child and I, I constantly have to kind of negotiate that but I think I try to come back to what you said earlier about you know have it's it's important to also have your passions and set an example and you know part of it's about making money as well but part of it is also um simply yeah taking that time for yourself so I think so I I do take your
1: point yeah when you're making the choice to be away from your children to do something for yourself is much harder I think than when you have to be away because you're doing something to earn Money or you know you you've got set hours or whatever. I think that's a really good point because Mm -hmm. I find the guilt's much harder if it's just for something for pleasure or yeah yeah to take time out. It's much more difficult. But yeah, definitely, especially when they're young. Definitely,
0: that's really tricky. And you know, and I agree. I think with um you know as as time changes, maybe there's there's differences in the way that we perceive this. But even I was watching this German film the other day. forgot the name of it the 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 something personality anyway it's from the 1970s and um i'm trying to work on my german so i'm watching these German films but it's it's about um a woman who's a photographer and she's a single mom um but the first scene is of her with her child just like wrapped around her and just saying, like, no, don't, don't go. Don't go off to work. Don't leave me. Don't leave me. Stay with me. And she has to peel her off. There's a nanny. And she, I don't know how she has a nanny. She affords a nanny. This must be something you could do in the 1970s. She's a struggling photographer with a nanny. Anyway, good for her. And she she pulls the child off and hands her to the nanny. And it's I mean, I'm sort of acting it out for you here. Our listeners won't be able to see that, but it's, it's a real struggle. And I just thought, oh yeah, I, I feel like that sometimes. Um, So, I mean, you know, some things haven't changed, but maybe that was the kind of the cusp, but because it was quite a a feminist film, I would say, it was also trying to say something about this evolving narrative and what that means for women as things change. Really
1: interesting. Definitely. Yeah. And there's definitely, I definitely know people where they will say things happen with, myself and my husband that you do something with your children and they will you know like dropping them off at nursery or something will be like this major fight and then dad takes them and they're oh they're absolutely fine yeah <laughs> and it's almost like they're playing on that nature aren't they that, it happens to you know, us you, you might be going out um but I'm gonna make you feel bad about it while you're
0: going. <laughs> right right and they and learn really people early people at
1: work will say the same thing that you know mm-hmm. dad's taking them and they're oh i don't know what the problem is they're going absolutely mm-hmm. fine yeah and it's
0: just yeah it's just very from the time strict. they're babies i think so yes. i don't know it's detachment thing. who knows <laughs> and i guess i mean just continuing that vein going back to arden who i know like her resignation is really what you said sparked yes, this article it. like you know a lot of things that you read in the news um, which yes. is really fascinating. But what did you what did you think of her resignation? Did you think kind of, you know, good for her or she's not setting setting a good example? Did you have um thoughts on that? Yeah, I
1: I really respected her for it because I just think that um we've always got this thing going on. I think this dialogue about um trying to achieve everything, trying to have everything, you know, I'm a really successful. Uh, Prime Minister or whatever you are um, and trying to balance everything and show like this is how you can do everything and I I just think it's really good when people are really human and just sort of say yeah this is not working for me I'm not happy with this and I'm going to make a change I really respect people you know men or women that do that um, and I think, I mean, I I do sometimes think, oh, you know, people will use that against, well, that's why women shouldn't be in that position, which is always the sort of risk with that kind right. of thing. There, And there always will be. But, you know, I personally think it's a really strength to sort of say
0: when something's not working and to walk away from it. Yeah, yeah I really good for know. her. And <laughs> she's had kind yeah. of a stressful time as prime minister, too. Exactly, not, not her fault, yeah. just. No. I mean, the pandemic no. and I mean some exactly. well, the terrorist event in New Zealand as well so you know she cited yeah. those examples too I think I mean I yes. agree good for her and you know you juxtaposed it to Boris Johnson which I found fascinating as well because yes. well, and we yeah. probably don't even have to say why but
1: well no I mean yeah I think he had do he have two children whilst he was in office I think, I think so but, so we don't yeah. even we don't even know no, exactly. And she'd made the point in the, the article I was reading about she'd been on some sort of conference and there was another female prime minister. I can't remember where from. And the reporter, the journalist had said something like, I expect you to have got a lot in common because you're both mothers. Mm. And she said, well, we've got a lot in common because we both run countries and
0: mm. are in,
1: they were setting some kind of important policy between the countries. I can't remember who it was um you know and she said would you really say that to the male politicians that they have a lot in common because they're fathers it just wouldn't be part of the conversation and the same thing with boris johnson it was it was just a speck really on the news that his partner had given birth but it wasn't really Mm. relevant to his um his sort of ruling of the country if you like or yes just in the background I mean yeah, exactly it was not relevant to that at right. all so it's why it should be relevant and the same I think people like uh, sports women face the mm. same thing I've heard that sort of how do you manage to combine your training for the Olympics with child care and it's like well you know, that's why would that why would that be right. relevant? There's so there's lots of ways. It. Yeah,
0: let them figure it out. I guess you know. Hopefully, they have some good sponsorship and they can pay for it. And if not, maybe a I family member. It, yeah, but even yeah, like Serena store. Williams, you know, and it's like, well, I mean, yeah, exactly. she's got a I mean, lot of money, first of all. So don't worry about afford
1: that. a nanny, can't she? And you know, I just feel like you would never ask that of the sort of top tennis player that's male, would you? Right. You would never say. Yeah what are you doing while you're traveling around the world with the children? Mm-hmm. You know, it would just be assumed that they were taken care of. So it's just.
0: Right. And plus Serena's <laughs> husband, I don't think he even has, to, I don't know if he works anymore. The Reddit guy, yeah. I forget his name, but I don't you know, I'm know sure he's got, got loads of that. free time. <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong. You know, I shouldn't, he may be very busy at work, but the point is yeah like the the roles can obviously be reversed now so it's just but Serena you know she couldn't win because people were on her when she had the baby and came back and now she's uh you know she's retired and she's recently announced that she's she's pregnant again so it's but people are like you know why did you why did you retire why did you come back why it's she just can't win so
1: it's just this conversation that I think with women's choices and women's bodies Mm. and it's always been kind of part of the sort of feminist movement, hasn't it? That um, there's so many politics around women's choices and women's bodies that never affects a man. And when you do flip that around, it would sound ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in every situation you just wouldn't be able to speak like that. The conversation Mm. is just totally different. And as I say, the subject just fascinates me really. I still have such anger, but I suppose living in that sort of patriarchal society, for how, you know, throughout history, it's quite difficult that. it's not going to just go overnight, you know, there's still people right. that are going to hold on to those kind of views and um, hopefully getting less and less.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: It can be a slog, can't it, when it? Yeah.
0: And then there's always pushback as things progress. Right. So I think it's sometimes easy to um or dangerous perhaps just to see the, the pushback and not all the progress that's, that's being yeah. made. Um, yeah. So it's, yeah. I mean, it comes back to, like you said, I like, I like how you phrase it as really the choices it's all about, Um, mother writers or women writers who choose not to be mothers or who can't be mothers to have that choice if possible um, and just like really empowering people isn't it
1: and it's really lucky if you live in a place where you have the choice isn't it yeah there's lots of places where you still don't Um, absolutely and I know for example where I live now there's definitely a difference even be in the sort of time between me having my two children and mm-hmm. um, I see well I don't go to the school gates anymore my youngest is 16 but um there's much more stay-at-home fathers when they were in uh sort of mm-hmm. uh, primary school there was mm-hmm. many more um fathers at the gates mm-hmm. you know I knew lots of dads from sort of the toddler groups and things like that that I went to um and lots of people where the wife is maybe working full time or a partner and um, that are combining childcare. Yeah. I know lots of families like that. Yeah. Now. So it's definitely different. But I think as well it can depend on where you live, different sort of pockets. But um right. it definitely it's not all doom. I think there is there is still <laughs> these sort of voices and this conversation that you think, oh, you know, really, but then yeah, there are lots of changes that you wouldn't have seen, mm-hmm. like when my parents, you know, I can't remember my dad ever picking me up from school, mm-hmm. um, and in the yard, I would imagine, in the playground, it would have been a sea of mothers, I would have thought at the time, but, you know, times right. are changing,
0: hopefully. Yeah, and it's great for the for the dads too, who want yeah, to do sure. that, you know, it's nice to have acceptance of choices on on both sides, yeah. and
1: I think it's really good for children as well. I think they really benefit from that male-female sort of input. Mm -hmm. Um, Definitely, from what I've seen, that's really important. If you can, and and like I say, I have friends who are single parents, and that's that's Mm -hmm. a whole other challenge to have some free time and work and look after children by yourself is just another... I really give everything to them because, yeah, I would... That is really a hard job,
0: yeah, that is really tough. This has been a really fascinating conversation. I think you know, you're going to yeah. keep going, as you said with these ideas in your newsletter. So I really look forward to reading it. Um, mm-hmm. So thank you so much for for joining us on the Matter podcast today. It's been a lovely conversation. Thank you, oh thanks. Always it's so nice to talk to you. If you want to access all of the media for this conversation, you can see the episode description. You can also subscribe for free on Substack to both mine and Kate's publications, The Matterhorn, and Narrative of Their Own. These links are also in the information. Thanks to all of our listeners for joining us today, and special thanks to my guest, Kate Jones.